Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Welcome to our Christmas service at His People Church. And we trust that the Word of God will really minister to you as we look at our Christmas message for this very special day. And the title of our message is Shepherds and Angels. And just to let you know, my name is Jacques, and uh, I'm probably more of a shepherd <laughs> in terms of my role as a pastor. But we are looking at the portion of Scripture in, found in Luke chapter 2. We're just looking at 12 verses this morning for our Christmas message. And I want to ask you, if you won't uh, come along, I've got the slides for you, and let's look at the Scripture. And Luke chapter 2, we're starting in verse 8. We're going to go just 12 verses up to verse 20. And let's read. And as we read, I'm going to unpack the Scriptures. But let's just pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would just open up this special time to us. Lord, may it be like we were there, Lord, with the shepherds and the angels, Lord. And Lord, I pray that Lord, that, that this would just minister to us, would minister to me, would minister to every one of us, Lord, that we may still be impacted by this amazing story in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read. Verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now it starts off speaking about in the same region. What region is this? What, what's happened just before this? Well, chapter 2 opens with the birth of Jesus. And so remember, there was the census called, and Mary and Joseph had to go down to Bethlehem for the census. And while they were there, Jesus was born. And remember, there wasn't room enough room for them in the inn. And Jesus, Jesus was born. And uh, they actually wrapped him in cloths and put him in a manger. And we're going to look at this. And so verse 8, in the same region. So these shepherds were close by. It was close by to Bethlehem. And what is, what's so interesting about these shepherds? I'm first tell you about shepherds in general. Shepherds in those days were a, a very, very well-known vocation. But it wasn't seen as let's just say, top of the pecking order. It wasn't um, seen as a very sought after, like a, being a religious leader like the Pharisees were. Uh, they weren't financially that well off. And, um, you know, the social, in, the, in the social ladder, it wasn't the top of the rung. But these shepherds near Bethlehem, Bible scholars, and actually in researching this, uh, in two places I found this, that many people believe that in this area, the shepherds in this area had a very special responsibility. They were shepherds, no doubt. But remember, as part of the, the religious practice of that day, part of that was sacrifices. And so they needed, the nation of Israel, they needed to provide sacrifices for the temple. And so... Um, it's understood from history that there were shepherds dedicated to looking after flocks of sheep that would produce lambs. And remember, according to scripture, these lambs had to be without blemish. And these lambs were then used as part of the religious worship ceremonies in sacrifices. And so 
this responsibility of these shepherds was quite quite unique. They would have, I, I have no doubt that these shepherds had a sense of we're doing, we're doing God's work here in terms of their shepherding responsibility, not just for commercial gain. And so this is just the context of, of what it's happening. And these shepherds are out in the field at night and, 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 and we understand it could have been in winter. But also just let's understand what is a shepherd's job. Their job is to protect the flocks from either being stolen by robbers or from wild animals that would want to come and help themselves. And so the very job of a shepherd is to keep watch over their flocks by night. But you're a God. You are there to protect the, sh the sheep from any threats. And so the very nature of that job is you are on guard. You are looking for possible threats. So I'm saying this to, to just give a background to, to the story. And it goes on verse 9 and it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So here the angel come in. The, the, initially it's one angel. The angel of the Lord comes and, and hence the title, Shepherds and Angels. And it says that they were filled with great fear. But I want you to just note that they were filled with great fear. Look at the end of the story. In just 12 verses, you're going to see a transformation in these shepherds. From being incredibly fearful at this encounter with an angel to... Well, let's see. Let's see. You'll be amazed. And so what happens next? Well, in verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is just so beautiful. This is the essence of Christmas. This is why for so many people, my daughter was just saying um, that, that Christmas is the biggest holiday across the world. And, and why is that? And, and just to, to, to highlight it for you, I want to read to you something that Pastor Jack Hayford said. Now, he's from America. And he, he's writing here about why is this season so significant. And he says this. The season is here, and joy comes wrapped in music, decorated with ornaments, packaged in presents. What is the explanation for all of this? Where is the fountainhead, the source, from which this Christmas joy pours forth, flooding our year end with such splendor? It's my conviction that Christmas is unmatched by any other holiday, because its source is an unsurpassable event. We write new songs trying to once more express its hope. We exchange gifts, not because commercial interests have triumphed, but because affection, appreciation and unselfishness, unselfishness have. We feast together. We offer uh, cakes and sweets 
Because something has happened that has made life fuller and has made life sweeter. Isn't that beautiful? He goes on to say, The cynic or the materialist may attribute it all to a human propensity for overindulgence. But a deeper than human source has ignited the bright celebration of Christmas like no other season. It summons our best efforts at festivity and draws us toward our highest efforts in worshipping God, showing kindness to the needy, taking time to touch the afflicted and reaching to touch those dear to us. As a Christian, I find the fountainhead of Christmas joy in the event which is responsible for the annual explosion of love. It is found in these words, trumpeted by a leader of a contingent of troops at the direction of God Almighty. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all people. Folks, that's why Christmas is such a special season, because there's so much purpose, there's so much depth to it. It's because Jesus was born. And I just love what, um, what Pastor Jack had to say. But he says over here that I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all people. Folks, this is why I believe Christmas is the biggest holiday across the world. Because it is for all people. And we, 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 we literally, we're part of a, a, a worldwide family of churches called Every Nation. We're passionate about getting this message, this good news of great joy to all people. And so it starts right here. The first words the angel spoke to the shepherds declares the purpose of Christmas, the purpose of this good news, the purpose of Jesus coming is that it's for all people. Christmas is full of purpose, folks. It's good news and great joy for all people. I just love it. That is just so powerful. But let's go on. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the angel still speaking. And he says three huge terms. For these Jewish shepherds, these are huge terms. He uses the word Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Three huge words to a Hebrew person. The, the, in, in the Greek, these words, the word Savior is sozo or sozo. And we have an, an inner healing counseling ministry called sozo. And it literally means to save, heal, and deliver. He then uses this word Christ, which means the anointed one, the Messiah. And this is the Greek word Christos. And then he uses the word Lord, which means master, which means supreme ruler of the universe. He used this word, which is kurios. He used these three Greek words, sozo, Christos, kurios. And these were the big words they used for the coming Messiah. This was so loudly trumpeted that shepherds had no doubt 
what was happening. The promise of the Messiah that had been promised throughout. The coming Savior, their Savior, was, was coming. This was such a clear declaration of uh, from the angel to the shepherds. They, they, there's no, they had no space for doubting what was happening and what was coming. But then look what happens. The, the angel goes on and says, And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Folks, can you see the contrast here? I mean, he's just used these huge words. He's declared sozo, Christos, kurios, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Big things. And then he says, this is the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That is so earthly. That is so carnal. That is so ungrand and unsavior-like and un messiah-like or unlord-like it is it's such a contrast and again it's just such a beautiful picture of christ's humanity and his deity his godlikeness and his and his man-likeness he just so embraces those those two seemingly impossible worlds the world of god and the world of man this is our mediator, this is our Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our Christ. But he says something interesting. The angel says, this will be a sign for you. And he mentions this baby in a manger. Now we've sung the songs and, and, and I'm sure you've seen usually a manger is in, in these nativity plays is, is quite a nice little wooden box with nice clean hay and it looks quite a nice place for a baby kind of think well you know i wouldn't mind a manger you know for for a baby even today but we must understand that it was actually a feeding trough this is where the animal food was put in probably not that clean probably i mean probably quite a lot of flies around etc i i was just trying to think what does this look like and i I've, I've i've seen on farms before today what what farmers often use as a feeding trough is they literally get an old tire and they just cut it open on the top and it makes a nice cylindrical space that you can put animal feed in and i kind of thought you know a modern version of this is is that a tire that's just been cut open where you can put animal food in and, and you're lying your baby there. I'm using this as, as an example for you to kind of get the context. It's not always so, so, so romantic as, as a manger is often depicted in nativity plays. But the contrast between this declaration this angel makes about Savior and Messiah and Lord to a baby in a manger it is just it's just the contrast and it's like the contrast in this very story of shepherds and angels folks shepherds were 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 just such normal folks it is it is it's kind of like they represent the normal the most normal sort of hebrew person of the day having this angelic encounter and folks this encounter isn't just with one angel. The encounter is quite mind-blowing. And I, and I think we must just take courage from this. The Lord chooses to reveal himself so completely, 
so amazingly to commoner gardener Hebrew people just like you and me. Look what, look what happens next. I just wanted to highlight this to you. Over here, let me go back, sorry. I, I forgot to highlight this. They said a sign for you. Why is this a sign for you? The reason is that what, what happened in those days, remember I said that these shepherds, many Bible scholars believe, that they were actually looking after flocks that were dedicated for temple use. But what these shepherds used to do is when a lamb was born, when a firstborn lamb was born that was without blemish, that lamb needed to be looked after and nurtured because it was going to be um, taken to the temple. And so they would take that lamb and wrap it in cloths. And very often these very shepherds would put the lamb in a manger as a place to keep it safe. And so what the sign, this sign was so significant for them because the term, the lamb of God, was the term commonly used for Jesus, the Messiah, the lamb that was going to be slain on the cross of Calvary, that was going to be sacrificed once and for on the cross of Calvary. It was the most amazing prophetic picture. When these shepherds saw Jesus wrapped in cloths like they did with these lambs that were taken to the temple to be sacrificed, they see Jesus wrapped in linen cloth in a manger like they did as shepherds. Can you imagine what would have happened in terms of an understanding of God's prophetic destiny for Jesus' life? It really is quite amazing. And I just went, I'm just putting one verse up here. You know, when John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus in the, in, in the book of John, verse 29, it says, The next day he, John, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Being known as a Lamb and the Lamb of God was one of Jesus' titles. And folks, it was first revealed to these shepherds. When they saw Jesus in the manger, they were like, wow, I, 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 I can't imagine what, what would have gone on inside of them. And so, you know, in the book of Revelation, it's, it's the term that's most used to describe Jesus as the Lamb of God and describes him literally the Lamb on the throne in the book of Revelation. And so this term would have been very significant to these shepherds. But let's go on. In verse 13, it, it says, And suddenly, so this is after they get told this. This is what happens next. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Folks, there was count. Some, uh, some translations literally describe the heavenly armies speaking about the angelic hosts, countless multitudes of angels. This is incredible. I went to go look in my Bible. I couldn't see another time in the New Testament after this where this happens to anybody, where anybody sees the heavenly armies, the multitude of angelic hosts in heaven, besides the book of Revelation. That's the next time we see it. But no other people 
see this or encounter this. This is so incredible. And what are these heavenly hosts saying? They're saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Folks, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then I want to I, I declare to you that you have found favor with God and this peace is yours. One Bible scholar said about this, he said, when God gets the glory, we find peace. That's what the scripture says. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I thought that's such a beautiful summary of what these angels are declaring. If we live for the glory of God, if everything we do is for the glory of God, I believe we will have peace. It's in those places, even though it doesn't make sense. I was reading somebody said recently just about the glory of God. They said, if there's anything you want to do that doesn't glorify God, why on earth would you want to do it? This scripture speaks about peace to men who found favor with him. Just amazing promise. Let's go on. I'm putting this little quote up over there. I heard it years ago. I've often quoted it. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. And if you're listening to the audio, no Jesus, no peace is K-N-O-W. No Jesus, no peace is no with an N-O. If we know Jesus, we know peace. I want to go on. Verse 15 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And it says in verse 16, And they went with haste. Some Bible translations say they ran. Anyway, I'm very encouraged by that. I enjoy running and, and, and I know people like Josh and Cass are looking at that and thinking, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> running is biblical. But I just want to say, you know, there are times in our walk with God that there is a sense of urgency in, in the task at hand. I remember years ago hearing this statement that is quite well known, that the opportunity of a lifetime comes during the lifetime of the opportunity. There are times that we need to respond with haste. I'm not saying you always have to run by doing things, I believe running is a metaphor this sometimes. I remember being seasons in my life where there was just such a sense of urgency that the task at hand, this thing that I felt was of God, that was God's will for me to do, that it needed and required urgency. You know, there are sometimes, I remember one time I was at a restaurant that is, is no more, uh, closed down. Um, it's no longer in Peter Maritzburg. And I remember there were two, and I'll say waitrons. I'm not going to re uh, reveal the gender um, just in case anybody gets offended. But there were two waitrons. And the one 
would come to take your order with, they didn't run, but with, with energy and with enthusiasm. And the other waitress would literally, you could, you could probably have a decent conversation in the time the waitress came to your table and went back. Just moved so slowly. And it was, I remember commenting to somebody, because I, I went there a couple of times, that it was, it was as if the one waitron was literally in slow motion. Now, I'm not saying this is the same case, but I really looked forward to dealing with a person who had a bit of energy and a bit of enthusiasm and actually looked like they, they, were, they were looking forward to doing what they were doing. The Bible says they went with haste. My point is simply this. There are times in our lives that there is a God-inspired sense of urgency. And the Bible says, And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And, and just look at this. I'm going to put up for you what the message says about verse 17. It says, Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. Folks, the very first evangelists were this group of shepherds. But can you, are you seeing this transformation that's happening in these shepherds? They went from being fearful when they first met this angel. Now, look at them. It says, they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. Wow, what a transformation. They are going back from Bethlehem, back to their flocks, and they're just telling everybody about what's happened. What, what is it? What has happened over here? Well, firstly, the Bible says, seeing was believing. You see, folks, the angel had spoken and they'd actually seen the fulfillment of it. The angel had said, there's going to be, go to, go to Bethlehem and you will find a baby in a manger. They went there, they found exactly what the angel had said. And of course, they had seen this angelic host. Let's go on. Verse 18, it says, and all who heard it, this is all the folks who heard what these shepherds, as these shepherds were going, just telling everybody about what they had seen. All who heard it wondered. So, uh, the, this, this word wonder or marveled, some translations say marveled. They were in a sense of awe at what these shepherds were saying, at what the shepherds told them. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Wow. So look at this. There's, there's three different responses over here. I mean, firstly, the shepherds, what had happened? The shepherds had heard the angels speak. And they had seen the fulfillment of it. And they're just telling everybody. 
Then there are the people who are hearing what the shepherds are saying. They're in wonder. They're in awe. They're, they're just marveling at this. And then there's Mary. Verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And folks, it just shows that, firstly, we are different. We're all different. We respond differently. But what I want to highlight here is just that some things I want to submit to you. Some things we need to treasure. We need to keep it. In Mary's case, she's not going around declaring, etc., anything. The Bible says she's treasuring these things, pondering them in her heart. You know, there's that scripture that says, do not cast pearls before swine. You know, nowadays, it's so easy to tweet or post on social media just anything that comes into your head. And I find sometimes people are just so, so free with some things that I believe sometimes the Lord has shared with them. And it's meant to be treasured in your heart and pondered upon, not broadcast to the whole wide world immediately the moment you get your download from heaven. There are some times that the Lord wants us just to incubate and and treasure, that's the word here. I mean, what do you? What is a treasure? If you treasure something, you value it. There are some promises for God, from God that are not for now. These were things spoken and, and said about Jesus that Mary was pondering. And, and she knew this would be years down the line that these things would, would come to pass. And she's treasuring it. And, and I don't know what promises what scriptures what things the Lord's speaking to some things we declare and we proclaim some things we just wow about but some things we treasure and we ponder them and, and we and we just we keep them we keep them inside and then the last verse verse 20 and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As it had been told them. Folks, this is again reminding us that God is faithful to his promises. He gave us the rainbow in the sky to remind us he's faithful to his promises. Why the transformation in these shepherds? Remember I, I, I said from being fearful. Because what was spoken they had heard and they had seen. I want to say to you, if you have heard something from God and you have seen the fulfillment of it, that is transformational. You can't be the same again. We need to hear those things. Those are test me's. You know, you, uh, I, I like a test me. But remember, before you get the test me is the test. And the test is when you've got the promise and you haven't, Heard or seen the fulfillment of the testimony. But folks, when you hear and see, let us do what these shepherds do. Firstly, glorify and praise God. That's the first thing we do with a testimony. Isn't necessarily to tweet it or post it, etc. The first thing, let's give glory to God. I've often, I've often mused on this point. There are some times that you pray and you pray and you trust God and you ask and you and you intercede for something 
and you get the breakthrough. And I've, I've wondered this. Imagine if I could praise and glorify God for as much as I was asking and trusting Him for the very thing that I have got my breakthrough in. And so look at this. It says in the Message Bible that it turned out exactly the way they'd been told. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. Folks, this is a reminder that God is faithful to His promises. We know the Christmas story now, but they, it was brand new news to them. The angels declared it to them from the heavens. They went, they found exactly as the angels had said, God is faithful to His promises. The same God who spoke through angels to those simple shepherds is the same God who speaks to us today. The same God who, as the word says, will make sure it turns out exactly the way he has told us. His will will come to pass. There's a grand plan in the nations and it's got nothing to do with pandemics. It's got to do with God's plan to bring heaven to earth that the nations would be discipled and we part of that grand plan. So may we be inspired by this, this simple story and this transformation in these shepherd folks. If God can transform such simple shepherds in, in such a short space of time, yes, he can use me. He can use you and he can use us to impact the people around us. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, Lord, this transformation of these shepherds is quite astounding in such a relatively short space of time, Lord, because they heard your promises and they saw you do it. And God, I pray, this is a story, this is a test me, Lord, of your faithfulness. May we be reminded by this Christmas story of how faithful you are. And Lord, this is a story of good news and great joy. May we be impacted again. May we marvel once again. May we ponder. May we treasure this as Mary did, Lord. May we not lose the wonder of the story. Lord, you do exactly as you say it will happen. And so, Lord, we rest in the fact that you are Savior. You are Christ and you are Lord. Sozo Christos Kurios. Jesus, our Savior, our Christ and our Lord, faithful to, to your word, Lord. We love you. We thank you for Christmas. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a wonderful time celebrating Christmas.